two years into Bible college training, I went to visit my younger brother, Josiah, who was uh, had enlisted in the Marine Corps. And while I was visiting him, I saw a Navy chaplain intervening in a uh, small crisis on the base. Uh, there were some Marines that were in trouble and the chaplain showed up. And to, up to that point, I had heard of chaplains before, but seeing one in action uh, where we have this man of God coming in and bringing a uh, piece of the Holy Spirit to a very tenuous and, and stressful situation. It just was like all of the light bulbs went off. And it was incredible just like that's that's amazing because i'd also grown up with this passion for all things military and prior to that call to ministry i was planning to be in the military itself so uh, being able to align both my calling to ministry and the military was uh, was really neat welcome back to the efm podcast we seek to create missional conversations to help equip the local church for global ministry I'm your host, Tom Tyndale. Today, I am excited and privileged to share with you a great friend that uh, we met as childhood friends. We were kind of these these geeky, tuck your shirts in homeschoolers from the backwoods of Southern Indiana that everybody thought was gonna be unsocialized rejects when we grew up. And for at least one of us, that's probably still true, but not for our guest. Uh, This is Jamin Bailey and the Lord has had a call on Jamin's life to serve his country and through serving his country, serving Jesus in a very profound capacity. And Jamin has been a class A patriot from the word go, been very involved in uh, American politics and also in the armed services. He's served very faithfully with high honors uh, in the United States Marine Corps. And they uh, they actually kept graduating him through the ranks, and after he had fulfilled his first term of service, they begged him to come back to serve at, uh, at Bahrain, and he served there as a captain for uh, at least a year, I think maybe a little bit more. After that, he went into the Corporate Chaplains of America, where he, he served various industries for people that basically need pastoral care for their team. And through that has had an opportunity to be a pastor to many people who don't have pastors. And now he's fulfilling his dream of going back into the service as a a chaplain for the service. His long-term goal was to be a Marine chaplain. And the Marines are a subset of of the Navy. So he stepped down from captain to lieutenant to go back in and to be commissioned as a Navy officer, and he is just about to finish up his first term in the Navy chaplaincy and then go back into the Marines as a Marine chaplain. So we've got a lot to talk about today. It's been a privilege uh, knowing Jamin over the past 30 years or whatever it's been, and I'm really, really honored to have him speak to us today. So welcome, Jamin. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to well just have a conversation with you, always a blessing, and share some of uh, what God has done uh, in and through me uh, in my life. It's been a, a very humbling experience to see his hand at work in ways that are way beyond my imagination or uh, poor power to actually do, and uh, happy to uh, to share some of that story with you and your listeners today. Thanks. So let's talk about the, the basic call of the chaplaincy. How did you ever get an interest in becoming a chaplain in the first place? 
So the call started from a basic call to ministry uh, in high school, as you well know, I was very involved in leading Bible studies and began to get into preaching. And then uh, through uh, my youth pastor, my father and some other mentors, probably you, um, uh, was encouraged to at least consider and pray about uh, entering uh, full-time vocational ministry as my, as my calling in life. So I did that and decided and had peace from God that that's the direction I needed to go. Two years into Bible college training, I went to visit my younger brother, Josiah, who was uh, had enlisted in the Marine Corps. And while I was visiting him, I saw a Navy chaplain intervening in a uh, small crisis on the base. Uh, there were some Marines that were in trouble and the chaplain showed up. And to, up to that point, I had heard of chaplains before, but seeing one in action uh, where we have this man of God coming in and bringing uh, peace of the Holy Spirit to a very tenuous and, and stressful situation. It just was like all of the light bulbs went off and it was incredible. Just like, that's, that's amazing. Cause I'd also grown up with this passion for all things military. And prior to that call to ministry, I was planning to you know, be in the military itself. So uh, being able to align both my calling to ministry and the military was, uh, was really neat. But from that moment of seeing that chaplain serving those Marines until I actually became a Navy chaplain, uh, there were 16 years in between. And those 16 years were full of experience. I went back, I finished up my Bible college degree on the advice of some veterans um, who had served before, uh, specifically one Marine colonel. I actually joined the Marine Corps as a regular Marine Corps officer. I was a combat engineer. And the idea was that according to this colonel and, and how it turned out is that experience of actually being in the service and living life as one of those Marines uh, gave me a basis and a foundation of experience that I wouldn't have had otherwise and an understanding and empathy that would undergird a future chaplaincy. So I went through six years of active duty in the Marine Corps, got out, finished up my seminary, and then went uh, into corporate chaplaincy uh, where I got to serve, as you mentioned, uh, local companies. It's one of these great secrets that people don't know about that we have chaplains all across the country, hundreds, actually thousands of them, uh, bringing the gospel to the workplace. And that's a whole conversation unto itself. And we can get into that if you'd like to. Um, it's a really amazing place uh, where God is moving mightily in opening up businesses, even many of them owned by secular uh, groups of people and, and non-Christian owners, but they recognize the benefit of having their people taken care of. And so that opens up opportunities for pastors who become chaplains to care for their employees. And that same basic principle is why the military has had chaplains from the, the word go, uh, from the very creation of the Navy. Uh, within a few weeks, there was the very first Navy chaplain back in 1775, and that continues to this day. Well, I want to go back and pick up on that first scene that you mentioned. You, you talked about this chaplain who you referred to as a man of God, and you mentioned how the Holy Spirit was there. Now, Jamin, you and I know each other a long, a long time, yeah. and you've got a lot of grace for my, my brashness sometimes, but I don't normally put those two descriptions close to my mental picture of a chaplain. I look at the chaplain and my, my typical picture you aside has been this this milk toast all roads lead to rome let's just go along and be happy and so i know you want to you want to speak to that so go ahead 
Yeah. So I've been dealing with this uh, very common. It is harsh in sounding that way, but I'm also very used to it because I've been dealing with this for, for many years as far as people's perception of chaplaincy in general. There are forms of chaplaincy, I'll be honest. Um, and there are chaplains even within the Navy and probably in some corporate contexts that are what I would call a people-centered, uh, where they don't bring any sort of faith with them. They just kind of come in and reinforce whatever they find. Um, that's anathema to me and to, and to most of my other chaplains out here, because we come in as representatives of our religious organizations. And try not to get too technical today. There's, there's a lot of, it's the military, right? So there's bureaucracy, the policies and instructions that guide what we do as chaplains, if you haven't been in the military, it can come off as kind of heavy. But um, if I could distill them down to their core basics, what chaplains are allowed to do and supposed to do is be a representative faithfully of the faith group that they come from. So there are chaplains, again, as I've mentioned, that come in and they don't really have a, a strong sense of the gospel or a, pri um, a priority for the Great Commission. They just want to be a nice person, loving people, and sort of continue that social club aspect of uh, quote unquote Christianity. Um, but there are many chaplains, in fact, the vast majority within the context of the Navy, and I don't have numbers for the other branches, but the Air Force and the Army have their own chaplains. Uh, but I would assume um, uh, pretty safely that it is true there that most chaplains who are serving within the context of the armed forces and the vast majority within corporate chaplaincy are evangelical um, folks that really care about the gospel, really care about being faithful in their calling as ministers of Christ. And they are both empowered, enabled, and expected to be that within the context of the military. Uh, I can't be, as many people would assume, a chaplain for all faiths, where I am providing services for the Buddhists and the Muslim and the Jewish service members. I do care for them, absolutely. 100% provide care and love for everyone. I'm living with them, working alongside them. And of course, I'm going to extend every opportunity to build a caring relationship with that individual. But when it comes to teaching faith, when it comes to counseling, uh, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to teaching, all of that is from my particular background, which we haven't mentioned yet. I come from the independent Christian church. And in the context of what I do, I get to just share the gospel on a daily basis with people who would never darken the door of the church. And that's what makes this so exciting for me. The misperception, rather, about chaplaincy, it is widespread. It comes from, in some cases, some disgruntled chaplains who weren't really great at their job. And I'm, and I'm sorry, but uh, they just weren't great chaplains. And they tried to pick a fight with the Navy and the chaplain corps, got on CBN and and then crossed some other Christian media and, and really unfortunately slandered uh, what chaplains actually do on a daily basis. And because we're chaplains, you know, we're not out there trying to necessarily correct all of these uh, things that have been said uh, for whatever reason, uh, mainstream evangelical conservative Christianity has developed a really negative view of chaplains. Uh, one more thing along this, the word chaplain, it's not a perfect word. And there's hospital chaplains who are very much what people expect when they hear of a Navy chaplain uh, in most conservative circles. And those hospital chaplains, they have to provide for everyone's faith. So they find out what that person's faith is, and they kind of become the chaplain of all faiths. So they're like a general spiritual advisor. That is not what I do, and that's not what the Navy expects me to do, and certainly not what I was expected to do as a corporate chaplain either. So the uh, I'll just give you the mission statement of Corporate Chaplains of America to illustrate this to build caring relationships with the hope of gaining permission to share the life 
changing good news of Jesus Christ in a non-threatening manner. So that's the mission of Corporate Chaplains of America, where I served uh, for six years and had a, a wonderful time of ministry there. But then finally, back into the Navy context, I'm doing the exact same thing. And it's paid for and endorsed by the United States Department of Defense. So that's something that many people don't know. Well, praise God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Now, so you you talked about the child. It's not it's not the 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 common misconception that I just gave voice to. Uh, you did say a couple of things there that about what chaplaincy is. It is it is the opportunity to faithfully represent who gave you credentials. So if you're from the Christian church, then represent them well. If you're from the Nazarene or or the Baptist churches, you represent them well. Is that a fair understanding? That's right. Okay. Yeah. So we have uh, we have Lutherans, we have Episcopalians. So again, there's chaplains from all backgrounds uh, that are accepted in the Navy Chaplain Corps itself is a non-religious institution. It just provides chaplains, and those chaplains come in, and they both help to facilitate the free exercise of religion for their sailors, Marines, or Coasties, because Navy chaplains serve the Coast Guard as well. And they are also protected in the free exercise of religion to practice only according to that religious organization that has sent them. And so that's where the exciting opportunity is, is that there's always a deficit of Navy chaplains, and there is one now. So if we can funnel more chaplains who care about the gospel into the Navy, then there's three branches of the U.S. military that are going to have chaplains that care about the gospel, that care about people, of course, you can't come in and just be cerebral and just like want to talk theology all the time. This is very much a relationship-centered mission field. But if you can love Jesus and love people, the opportunities to preach and teach according to the word of God and lead people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ are abundant. And that's what is so exciting to me about this calling that God has placed on my life and, uh, and why we're talking today. Okay, so a couple more questions. that We're going we're to attack one more misconception just for the sake of our listeners you and i had a previous conversation about this but i frequently get headlines that talk about the the wokeism that is seemingly growing at least if i watch the the, the headlines um uh, the the acceptance of everything immoral and somewhat unhelpful that we would think to the armed services what's that look like and how does that affect the chaplaincy very fair question. And of course, the military is always going to be a reflection of society. So we, we get our service members from culture and society. You know, they're, they're enlisting out of the same places that have become you know, more progressive over time. Uh, but I would just couch any sort of bad news is always the headlines where, where the news uh, focuses is on the negative. So there are certainly within the Navy, maybe especially, some folks that um, come from different backgrounds and practice different forms of, of what we know to be sin because, you know, we, we read and practice and believe the Bible, uh, but they're not different from, than the people who are walking the streets of our cities and towns. And so for me, that's not an issue uh, just because we have people with wrong beliefs. That's why I'm there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to love them where they're at. And then through that process of building relationships and, and prayer, the Holy Spirit does works. And then prayerfully over time, um, they will respond to the goodness of the gospel. Uh, when it comes to uh, the practical just sort of policy and instruction, there has been actually a strengthening in the last 20 years of what chaplains uh, can do 
in, in what we can't do in that both are endorsers. So again, I'm endorsed by the Christian church. Every chaplain comes in endorsed by a particular denomination uh, or group that is recognized by the Department of Defense. Um, so again, we have those Baptists and Lutherans and Episcopalians and Methodists. And um, I'm, I am sure that there are some representatives of the holiness church within the context. I haven't met one yet, but I'm sure they're there and we can certainly use more. The point being in that we are so well uh, protected and there's so much policy governing and protecting us, both from our endorser and from within the Navy itself. I would say that that has actually gotten stronger in the last even 10 years uh, because of a response to the progressive move of culture. There's been an incredible amount of concern to make sure that we have chaplains who can continue to be faithful to their religious organization's beliefs. Um, and so that is something that has only been reinforced and certainly is not impacting us yet. Maybe in the future, it will impact us. Uh, it certainly is not now. And it would take some pretty serious policy changes um, that would you know, sort of compromise our ability to faithfully teach, preach, and exercise our faith uh, within the context of the military. All right. I really appreciate you making that clarification. And I hope that starts to assuage some fears and concerns of, of people that are maybe thinking about this for the first time. So talk to me a little bit. I know I've mentioned the word that it's very pastoral. Can you kind of compare and contrast the differences between a typical small church pastor and a typical, if there is a typical chaplain in either the armed services or the, the corporate, corporate chaplain environment? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the core mission is the same, right? To be that ambassador and that representative of Christ. The context in which you are filling that calling is the difference. So as, as a local church pastor, you know, you are setting up services and you have a flock, a, you know, a body of, that you are caring for there locally. Um, and there's there's a lot of responsibility, uh, rightly so, that's associated with that. And I know you, of course, have experienced that uh, for many years. Uh, a chaplain's flock, if you want to call it that, is within the context of where people live out their weeks. And most of the people, uh, just because of the demographics of America today, most of the people are unchurched. So it's a very different sort of group that you're operating within. So the local church will never be supplanted by chaplaincy. That's, that's something that some people are like, oh, you're trying to endorse chaplaincy over the church. No, no like Jesus put the local church in place, right? That is, that is his bride. I view chaplaincy as a bridge from the unchurched to the church. So, so we still obviously need local pastors faithfully carrying out that role and responsibility. That's critical and that's biblical. Um, but where a, a chaplain comes in, is there a missionary serving again alongside and where unchurched, unsaved people are? And within that context, providing care, uh, facilitating uh, for some things, uh, but mostly uh, being that light of the gospel where they are and where they work. And so that's really the, for me, the exciting calling that chaplaincy is. If you have a missionary heart, then chaplaincy is a really, really compelling uh, sort of option that you should consider. Great. Thank you. So let's consider that option. What are most places looking for in terms of uh, entry-level requirements to being a chaplain? Yes, yeah, so they're the same for corporate chaplaincy and the military, uh, but within corporate chaplaincy, according to which organization you apply to, they may be able to uh, lessen some of those. So I'll start with uh, military chaplaincy and, and then move to corporate. Military chaplains are required to have a master's of divinity or equivalent from whatever their faith group happens to be. And I say equivalent because there's not really like a formal 
Muslim seminary uh, sort of apparatus. And there are three imams within the Navy. Uh, so again, want to be very transparent. The Navy chaplaincy uh, core itself is not religious. If it allows um, the, the, the Navy to have people that are being brought in from different religious backgrounds and different religions, um, different denominational backgrounds as well. And then it empowers and protects their ability to provide care uh, for sailors, Marines and Coasties. Um, but the requirement is that an MDiv, Master of Divinity or, or equivalent, um, and two years of at least uh, some church experience uh, prior or post MDiv. Now, those are like base requirements. They're going to look for character, leadership ability. You are a naval officer, and so they need to make sure that you're going to be able to operate within the context of the military. I'm a department head on the USS Gettysburg as a chaplain, so I don't have leadership responsibilities out of outside of one assistant, uh, but I am sort of at that level of leadership where I'm associating with the senior people on the ship working directly for the captain of the ship. And so I need to be able to operate and do the paperwork and administration and everything else that comes with that. But I do that because that facilitates and allows me to be present on that ship, again, as this light for the gospel, where I'm just bringing hope, peace, love, and care to all of these people. And it's just, again, an incredible uh, opportunity. So that's the core requirement for the Navy. Now, let me just yeah. stop it. When you get there, they when you talked about the, you got to be able to function in a military environment they're going to put you through like an officer candidate school. Yeah. So for the Navy, it's officer development school is what they call it. Also casually known as knife and fork school. It's about five weeks of, you know, it's kind of so, so, so context of the Marine Corps uh, definitely um, shapes my view of it because it's not nearly to the level of, you know, Marine Corps officer candidate school at Quantico, uh, but it is, it is fairly significant. And if you have no military background, uh, it will be a challenge. Uh, but what you do is you learn how to march in a straight line, wear a uniform, and you get an introduction to what it means to be an officer uh, within the United States military and the Navy specifically. Uh, the Army and the Air Force have a very similar uh, structure if you join one of those two uh, chaplain corps. Sure. So sure. The, yeah, the idea is that uh, we have a staff officer status uh, within the Navy, and uh, we're, we're Naval officers. So that, that comes with some responsibility and something that the Navy needs to screen for when it takes people in. So everything I've described is true about what we're able to do, but some of the added benefits or the added requirements rather are that you're physically fit enough to serve sailors and Marines and that you have the flexibility uh, and ability to serve as a Naval officer um, in the context of doing what God has called you to do. Okay, great. So you've talked a little bit about the requirements for the armed services, Navy particularly. Talk to me about the requirements for corporate chaplains, at least from what you've experienced. Yeah, so very significant differences in that they have the same core preference for an MDiv. But if someone has been in ministry for a long time, um, that requirement goes down. So um, I, I once hired a chaplain. Um, he got a two-year Bible-like certificate in 1972 from some institution I'd never heard of, but he'd been in ministry faithfully serving the Lord for over 30 years. So that's sort of an example of like, like very little on the certification and the qualifications 
from a institutional standpoint, but very high in that this person was obviously called to be a minister. And we were able to bring him on. He, he, he filled that role very, very well. Uh, physical requirements for corporate chaplaincy are going to be very different. And even the need to be able to operate with the leadership of the organization. So there is a need to be able to build relationships from the CEO on down. Uh, but not every corporate chaplain that is brought in is going to be sitting in on meetings. In fact, you're not really a part of the company's you know, sort of operations. You're an outside contractor that's being brought in just to care for people. So there's a lot of freedom that comes from that and a different sort of focus uh, for what is needed to be an effective corporate chaplain. There's just a, a few less uh, things that would winnow you out um, that you do need if you're going to be a chaplain in the military as a military officer. But both of those would be very needed and very missional positions. Absolutely. They're certainly worth uh, inspection. So you're there. You talked about the flock, the context being a little bit different. So how open are people either in the corporate place or in the armed services? What is their attitude towards chaplains? Yeah, so I had the privilege of, of starting chaplaincy at a few companies that hadn't had chaplains before as a corporate chaplain. And what I found, uh, this was in North Carolina, so it's going to be different if you're in the Northeast or maybe in Las Vegas or something like that. But in the Bible Belt, uh, chaplaincy is is welcomed with open arms. It's like, are you serious? Like, you're here to just, like, listen to me? Because the corporate chaplain will go into a company each week and make contact with every employee that they can. And just a little hello. And if they need to have a longer care session where they sit down and talk with someone, they'll set that up and they're on call 24 seven. And the same is true for Navy chaplains. Uh, we live and work alongside the people that we're with so we can build these relationships. Within the Navy and the military, they're just used to having chaplains. You know, I mentioned that 1775, the Navy was established and within a few weeks, we had our first Navy chaplain. So it is built into the institution to expect it. Now, not every chaplain has given the chaplain corps a good reputation because uh, we have people that come in and just, they solely that reputation by being selfish or incompetent or, or what have you, just, just being very real. But most chaplains, uh, thankfully, uh, leave a good impression because they're there just to care for the people. So even for someone who is not religious, even an atheist, maybe even anti-religion, if the chaplain is doing their job and they're just being that caring presence within the context of where that person works, they're accepted. And so uh, that is that is the norm, both within a corporate context and uh, within the context of the military, that people are, are used to seeing it or they get used to it. And as soon as they find out that you're not there to beat them over the head, you really are loving them and interested in who they are and meeting them where they are. They're great with it. And I've got great relationships with all kinds of people just on my ship who, if you wanted to sit down and do a theological discussion or a worldview discussion, we would be polar opposites. Uh, but that relationship is there. And I'm just praying for opportunities for God to use me uh, to plant those seeds uh, that will one day blossom. Very cool. So tell us, tell us some of your favorite stories uh, over the last several years of chaplaincy. Oh, good gracious. Um, let me start with corporate chaplaincy. I'll just go chronologically. Uh, um, in, unfortunately, my, we've had to have this discussion when we have friends over and they say, you know, what's your day been like? Because as a chaplain, um, and this is certainly true across all modes of ministry, I think in chaplaincy, though, it can be even much more so because you're in a non-churched environment. Some of those conversation points and experiences are really heavy. Like as a corporate chaplain, I had to bury three babies from three different companies. Wow. Did a lot of funerals, was present in a lot of deaths. 
But I also got to see God just doing incredible things. Uh, I'll share the Charlie story real quick. So I was with the uh, the supervisor of a peanut roasting plant where I go every week, of course, as the corporate chaplain. And just talking to this guy, he was a Christian, but he would often tell me about his brother-in-law who was out just doing all kinds of things. He was, he was running wild and running from God. And that was, that was a problem for the supervisors. Like, you know, just Charlie, he just, he just needs Jesus. And so I knew that, but one day he told me that Charlie was in the hospital and I got to go visit Charlie at, at the hospital. And Charlie was, uh, he was a different kind of guy. Um, uh, he almost died from an infection. He'd gone uh, septic at one point and he was only about 40 years old. So in the, in the midst of that crisis, he began to have some very real questions. And in the hospital, I was able to share with him the, the good news of Jesus Christ, right? And, and in that moment of fear on his part and just questioning his, uh, his eternal destiny, uh, he accepted Christ on, I think, my third visit to see him. And it was just an amazing thing to see him go from a wild child at 40 years old, you know, drinking and carrying on and doing all of these things to finding Jesus. And then Jesus does what he does and just bringing hope, peace and life to this guy. And I got updates on him for years. Wow. Just that the work that God had done where he was transformed entirely. So that's the corporate chaplaincy story. Uh, I'll share just recently this year. In 2022, I think is the year it is, <laughs> I got deployed aboard a different ship. So uh, as things were heating up between Russia and Ukraine, and there was the prospect of war in February, we sent a bunch of ships out to reinforce the NATO line uh, along that eastern side of NATO. And one of those ships, the USS Forrest Sherman, needed a chaplain. And they uh, they didn't have one, so they pulled me from Gettysburg, and I got a 24-hour notice to go deploy with this ship. So that was very exciting, uh, and actually pretty stressful. Again, just being real and honest, uh, you know, almost no notice, and going out for an indetermined amount of time uh, to possibly go into a shooting war. I'd been to a shooting war before as a Marine. I went to Afghanistan, uh, and I knew sort of the stresses and how those things felt. But the sailors on the ship, we haven't had a shooting war in the Navy since World War II. There was a lot of stress wow. on that ship as we were heading over, not knowing what would, what would happen. And right after we arrived off the course of uh, the, the coast of Spain, um, they actually invaded and we were being sent up into the North Sea and the Baltic. And we got we were the closest U.S. ship to Russia. In fact, we were staring down uh, just over the just over the horizon, the, the coast of Russia and Kaliningrad, a big naval base. And we had naval uh, ships, uh, Russian ships, uh, very close to our own. So a lot of tension, a lot of stress, stress and a lot of opportunity as well. Um, in the context of that, um, both discipling believers within the context of that uh, that ship, as I built relationships with them, but then also um, having just great opportunities to lead people to Jesus. So I had a sailor come in, very anxious, hadn't been able to talk to his family for a few days. And in that conversation, you know, discovering that he had kind of grown up within church, but never really understood who Jesus was or what opportunities he had to just know Jesus and have peace. And so I laid out for him the thing of the good news of Jesus. You know, it's like, this is something that God has done for you, that you can have peace and you can know your eternal destiny because God has done everything that's required for you to be saved and to know that you have forgiveness for your sins and a restored relationship with him. And that he's going to set you in the light and that you'll walk in the light as he is in the light. So long story short, uh, he came to Christ and needed to baptize him. So after we prayed within a couple of days, I got a, a, a small John boat. I'll describe it. It's a boat that they used to paint the side of the ship. And we filled that up with water. And 
as I was filling it up, a sailor came up and said, hey, chaps, that's what we're called, uh, chaplains or chaps uh, within the military, said, hey, chaps, um, I need to be baptized. And I was like, oh, well, this, this is a, a timely conversation. Great. <laughs> I, I just asked a simple question. Tell me what that means to you. So as I was sitting there and uh, filling up this John boat with water to baptize one sailor, I had another gospel conversation with this other sailor, and, and he accepted Jesus right there. And I said, if you'd like to, we're going to baptize uh, this one sailor in an hour, and you can come back. And he said, absolutely. So he went off. I was walking back to my office, got the John boat full of water in the, in the Baltic Sea there, and another sailor stopped me. And he said, hey, chaps, I got a question for you. And he started asking me about Job. And uh, basically was very troubled by the story of Job and who is God to think that he can punish somebody like that. And in that conversation, that unlikely conversation starting point, just brought it back to the goodness of God and the love that he has shown us through Jesus. And that sailor was like, you know what? I hear you. I'm not quite ready yet. And I was like, well, we're going to have a baptism now in about 30 minutes. If you'd like to come over, yeah, you can just sort of observe what happens. So uh, 30 minutes go by. I'm out there. I'm leading uh, a small baptismal service for the first two sailors. And uh, it was really neat. I got to pray over them, got to lead them in the good confession, and got to baptize them in, in that boat. Beautiful moment. Uh, it was cold, freezing cold. I forgot to mention that. Uh, but these two sailors were, were warm and, uh, and full of joy. The third sailor that I had spoken with uh, stepped forward and he said, I'm ready. Oh, wow. So I got to speak to him a couple of minutes. There were about 10 of us gathered around this John boat on the side of the ship and uh, uh, led him in the good confession and got to baptize him. And what's so cool about chaplaincy is that over the next uh, about month and a half that we were together, those three individuals, they didn't go anywhere. We're all on the same ship. So there's an opportunity to disciple and to build relationships and to connect with other believers and to encourage those believers as disciple makers. I mean, that's really the beauty of chaplaincy is that you are part of that organization and you just live with these folks. And then over the course of, so that was three, I got to baptize an additional six sailors uh, just during a two and a half month period Wow! as a stand-in chaplain for a ship that I'd never heard of before. And that is the, the power of what God does and unleashes through chaplains who are being faithful in you know, bringing the gospel to folks during the time of need, especially during times of crisis. Gettysburg hasn't gone anywhere. So we have stress uh, related to just a long maintenance period. We're trying to get the ship back out to sea. But whenever Gettysburg deploys, uh, we'll probably be with the next chaplain there will be more opportunities. And that's really where the value of chaplaincy is, is that you know, a local pastor can't go to sea with a ship, can't walk onto a military base and just start talking to people, and can't certainly deploy with them overseas into uh, you know, possible uh, areas of danger. That's what a chaplain does. They are part of that institution, a part of that organization, and they go with their people wherever they happen to be and do that life on life, uh, which opens up opportunities for relationship, it opens up opportunities for uh, sharing that life-changing good news of Jesus Christ. So what you described there, being part of that organization, in a cross-cultural context, we call that contextualization. You're there as part of the culture, and you're taking the local forms, the local customs, and you're learning to communicate Christ in that. Well, that's something that chaplains get to do every day in that form, and at least with serving in the armed services, you get to be in many ways a missionary on the payroll of the Department of Defense. So that's uh, that's a pretty awesome opportunity. It certainly is. And even reinforcing the culture, uh, the, the, the culture of the Navy and the Marine Corps is built on three core values. 
of honor, courage, and commitment. And so one of the roles of the chaplain is as a member of that culture and institution, we try to help instill just those, those basic things within the, uh, the lives of our sailors and Marines. So we reinforce that, you know, we're not the morality police at all. You know, that's, if that's your calling, don't become a chaplain. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have a very short and, uh, um, uh, and tough career. I've seen that before and it's just not fun, but we do come in uh, to, to reinforce with gentleness and compassion to meet people in the midst of, you know, coming out of really tough backgrounds and everything else and just helping them to realize that there's a better way to live and ultimately, and you know, uh, the most important thing of all is that there's a God who loves them and has, uh, and has reached out to them through Jesus Christ. Well, thank you. So tell me anything else you can about uh, the corporate chaplain environment. Oh, yeah. So corporate chaplaincy, uh, you know, I've mentioned that there's many companies across the country. It's growing. And there's some companies like Chick-fil-A that you would expect, right? It's a very Christian company. Uh, but there's other companies like Coke and um, uh, you know, different insurance companies that you've probably heard of, like Aflac. Uh, a lot of the chicken uh, manufacturing companies have chaplains. Auto industry, it's, it's really, it's across the board from manufacturing to sales and, you know, insurance, um, even some government uh, contractor types. Um, they, they're all realizing that people are not just, you know, a, a tool that they can plug in at their company, but these people have issues that come up at home um, or in the work context. And having someone that is specifically there to care for them uh, makes them more productive. So for some of these companies, the bottom line is actually their prime motivator. They have more productive employees because those employees are being cared for. Um, that's fine. That's not why most chaplains go into a company to make that company productive, but it's a nice uh, benefit that they can point to to say, hey, you bring in a chaplain, they're caring for people, your people are more productive. You know, our motivation is to see those people find a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, if, you know, there's other side benefits, that's great, uh, but that's where it is. So these, uh, these uh, chaplains, they go in, they build relationships. It is a wonderful thing to see, especially a chaplain that's been at a company. And I, again, I did this for years, how deep those relationships have gone. And many of those relationships are lifelong. That's a pretty cool thing for me to uh, be able to follow people online and, uh, and sometimes in person. But I cared for as a chaplain years ago in different states and in different places and, and just seeing God's continued hand at work in their lives. Very good. So tell us with both of these tracks, whether it's the, the defense chaplaincy or the corporate chaplaincy, where do they get started? What's, what's point one, point two? How do they get involved? Yeah, so if you want to be a corporate chaplain, there's really two main organizations that I would point you towards, and I'll tell just a little bit of a difference between the two. Both of them are evangelistically driven, which is great. I, I would view the organization I was part of as a little bit, uh, quite a bit more productive, and that's because they focus on hiring chaplains to be a corporate chaplain full time. So most of their chaplains, they, all they do, they wake up on Monday, go throughout the week, they're visiting companies and being with employees. So they're very focused on being the best corporate chaplain that they can be. And they're very available for their employees. And because of that, there's just a lot of opportunities for the gospel that come from that. So that's Corporate Chaplains of America. You can check them out, check them out at chaplain.org. Uh, the other organization, which is, which is a fine organization, not going to put them down at all, is Marketplace Chaplains. And they have a lot more chaplains, but that's because they hire part-time. Uh, that is their model. And so you will be like a local pastor. 
um, or what have you. And then you will also have like a small company that you go visit once or twice a week. But that's kind of how their model is constructed. So they have more chaplains. They charge a little bit less because their chaplains aren't full-time. But either one of them, if you get started with one, you can move to the other, vice, vice versa. There is a, um, a sort of a common sense of purpose between those two organizations. There are smaller corporate chaplaincy organizations out there, but they're pretty few and far between. Um, so the kind of the two main players are, as I mentioned, Corporate Chaplains of America and Marketplace Chaplains. From a military context, I would encourage you to just Google uh, whoever, whatever endorser, and uh, shame on me, I should have looked this up before this meeting, um, if this is going to be primarily a, a holiness uh, sort of audience. I don't know which endorser would be best for you guys and gals, uh, by the way, again, obviously male and female chaplains, in that you should look that up, find out who the endorser is that best matches your theological beliefs and convictions. And that endorser needs to be recognized and will be, and they'll, they'll say that by the Department of Defense. And that would be who you would want to talk about, um, what their requirements are. It's probably going to be, as I've described, that Masters of Divinity plus two years, uh, but have that conversation with whoever that endorser happens to be. I'm sorry, can you, can you describe endorser? Yes. Oh, absolutely. So every chaplain serving within the context of the military is both a naval officer and a representative of their religious organization. So in other words, if we're talking to evangelicals, we're talking your denomination. Yes. Okay. But within the military, it's called a religious organization. So that's what right terminology. And the endorser is the one person that represents a small organization. Usually it's no more than 20 people that decide who is going to represent that religious organization. So that denomination or group of denominations as a military chaplain or a police chaplain, a fire chaplain, there are many forms of chaplaincy that require endorsement. And so what that group does is it endorses chaplains for all of those types of chaplaincy, both civilian and secular. All right. Very good. Well, I am very grateful for your time and for your passion and for the demonstration of Christ and evangelism that you have been faithful to give over the years. And I'm praying that some who have listened to this will start to respond and answer. I'd love to see some good, healthy, godly influences, men of God, bringing the spirit of God into areas that would otherwise be without a pastor. And so this is a really cool opportunity. Amen. All right. Thanks, brother. 